say that. Sure. And they're very trusting of the government because, you know, one of the trade-offs, the trade-off is there's no alienation from the government here. Like the government is people's family. Sure. So it's like, if you go into oh, a yeah. store, if, there's only 50,000 people in the Commonwealth, right? If you go into a store and you ask a, a local, which is like 30% of the population, and you're like, hey, like a Chamorro or Carolinian, you're like, what's your relationship to the governor? They'll be like, that's my cousin. They'll be like, that's my uncle. Mm. You know, it's that that's, you know, my sister-in-law is married to, you know, his wife's brother or something like that. Like, or, or my sister's married to his wife's brother. Like you'll have from every single one of them, right? Every single one of them. And so there isn't that alienation. So when the government says stuff, people are like, okay, I trust it. That's, you know, that's yeah, my that's, uncle saying that. That's Teddy. So then, okay, so then I have a real quick question. I have a, a statement and then a question, but I can't forget the statement. So I think I'll just go to the question. Where did the Russians come from on your island? Where, oh, and hi, everyone. Welcome to Royal Path. I'm your host, Andrew. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in just a second. But where did the Russians come from? Where's this Russian population from? Well, from Vladivost- Vladivostok is only a four-hour flight from here. Hmm. So Russia is actually like closer than China by, by plane. Russia and Korea and Japan, it takes about the same amount of time to fly. So, so to fly from Vladivostok to here, Seoul to here, and Tokyo to here, it takes around about the same amount of time. Did they just come over for like kicks or were they fleeing? No, it's interesting. Until, until like there was like the Abramoff scandal and all of that stuff, that all, that all went down here. That was all about stuff that was going on on this island, sweatshops and all this type of stuff. Um, They had their own immigration. Now we only have our own customs. And basically the U.S. government was like, no, bro, like no good. Uh, So during that time, there were certain countries that had like real limited immigration to the U.S. that could come here really easily. So China was one of them. There was a that was part of the Abramoff scandal, but Chinese, there was birth tourism here. So there were all of these big like vacation houses and they would pack them full of pregnant women so that the, the Chinese women could have their babies on U.S. soil and be U.S. citizens. It was like birth tourism. That's that crazy. Had. Yeah, it was, it was going on for decades here. What an interesting little island you have found yourself on. That's it's all- very interesting. Very yeah, interesting. Very interesting and, island. And so the Russians came here up until i believe trump removed it it was even when they had the u.s uh, the the u.s immigration i think until trump russians could come here visa free and stay for like six months visa free hmm. so many of the rush just on a visa free like tourist visa they could come here 
And so Russians, there's Russian businesses here. There's, there's some, uh, you know, Russians that have been here a long time that they would just come and set up a business. Cause it's like, Oh, I'll do the business for six months and then I'll go back to Russia, whatever, or leave it with my wife or my business partner will come for the other six months. You know what I mean? And run it. And we'll go back and forth like that. Oh, um, whoa. Uh-huh. and then a lot of the, so like my wife, the, she, she hangs out in a community of women in their thirties and forties. There's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty significant chunk of them. And a lot of them are married to locals or Filipinos. Um, and they all have kids about my kid's age, but several of them came to actually, um, dance in the shows here. So at a certain point, there were all of these sort of like, um, I mean, you know, the, you'd have the hotels and they would have these shows like showgirls, you know, with like dancing and the whole nine. And so, you know, Russians and they're dancing. Sure. So they're all like trained dancers. So like my my daughter's. Um, she goes to dance class, like private mm-hmm. dance class with a Russian dance teacher who's here, who's like, a, you know, professional, like prima ballerina who came here to dance in the shows back in the day and just married a local guy in state. So it's super interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. But most of them are from Vladivostok or from the, the eastern side, Siberia and all of that. They're from the eastern side. They're not from like Moscow, most of them. Oh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, I don't, I'm going to misremember this, um, but did you, did Father show you this clip? It was kind of insane, actually. Um, oh, what's this freaking, of course, I can't remember his name right now. He's the Fox News correspondent, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Uh, yeah, that was talking with, and I, I can't remember the other guy now. It's been like maybe a week and a half since I've seen this clip. But they were talking about what is uh, the U.S.'s beef with Russia. I saw that. And yeah. he got into orthodoxy. He started he was, talking like, about orthodoxy. Yeah, for the first time in 100 years or something like that, or 70 years, orthodoxy mm-hmm. is like the primary seat is the primary like ruling power or something mm-hmm. like that within the Russian or and the, within Russia. And then Tucker Carlson says like, well, maybe that's why we're going after him. And he's like, mm-hmm. maybe. And I was just like, Russia, what's going on, man? Mm-hmm. Like, and then we've got the whole Bezos, the Tower of Bezos is what we should just Yeah, the Tower, of Bezos. Tower of Bezos. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, that's a trademark. I got that. That's mine. <laughs> Uh, I own that. So, um, so, um, father is not here tonight. Uh, he is resting. We are, we decided to let him go rest for a little while, rest his weary bones. I'm just kidding. He's off very busy doing other things. And then Mm -hmm. he's got to celebrate his anniversary with his wife. So we're letting him off. We're letting him off the hook for tonight. And otherwise his mind starts to, you know, Mm -hmm. we got to let him rest his brain jelly a little bit. Um, so I feel terribly unqualified to talk about anything without him backing us up here. Agreed. So I thought I pitched the idea of, um, since rather than not putting anything out at all, we do a shorter episode where mm-hmm. Cyprian and I each talked about how we came to the faith, um, how we both came to orthodoxy. So I'm gonna let Cyprian go first. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go first, Cyprian. But oh before, boy! Yeah, you got okay. you're you're more of a showman than I am. Ha. So you got to come out cold. I'm the headliner. Ha. You're uh, mega. <laughs> the the <top>. hype man. <laughs> yeah, but 
that being said, I do want to say this really quick. I come from a generation of people who really like talking about themselves, who really love exploring mm. their journey. And you can really tell that they're just really digging that. And I really am trying my best. And I said a little prayer beforehand to not have this turn into that. I'm here to tell how I came to the church. I'm mm. trying, I'm going to try very hard um, when my time comes to talk that I, the things I include are only relevant to how I came to the faith. I won't be discussing my relationship with my parents other than, you know, like how that eventually led me to the church. And I won't be like diving into like, I won't be like going into summer camp experiences or anything like that. That being said, there is some important things I should probably set up when I tell my story. So, um, are you sure you don't want to go first? Um, you know what? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. Yes. Why not? That's good. I feel like I may be warmed up. So, okay, good. um, Perfect. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So I do want to emphasize again, uh, this is really for God's glory. I'm trying to have it be for God's glory. I'm not trying to have it be so that we can just sit around and talk about Andrew. And, um, (laughs) if there's anything that doesn't make sense or anything, just let me know. So, um, okay. Uh, now, now I'll probably be asking you some questions, ask. uh, as, as we go, as we go on just to flesh things out. Right. Yeah, because out. it's, it's helpful. It's helpful in a story. It's, it's, so, it is. yes, please. Okay. Go ahead. Um, okay. Proceed. So, um, I was born into a non-denominational church, um, in Columbia, Missouri, and I was pretty heavily involved in that church. It was also like a private school. So we were pretty heavily involved, um, my family and I. Uh, And then this is one of those things that I think is important, not because it's um, uh, not because it's interesting, but because it does really play into later on how things went Mm. down, that um, my parents were really not terribly happy with each other. Um, They were really... um, my dad, my whole family, my dad's side of the family is all Amish or Mennonite, mainly That's Amish. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. It is. Wait, so like at, at what you say the side of the family, does that mean he, he was born into a Mennonite or Amish community or? Yeah, really? no, he's men. Uh, if they were not Mennonite, then they were Amish. Um, they kind of went. So back he grew up. He grew up Amish. Oh, Your yeah. father grew up Amish. How Pretty did he become Amish. not Amish? How did he how did he leave that? So there's that seems that seems like an important piece of this potentially. I wish I had more answers to that. Um, mm. My dad passed away in 2010. My dad died okay. in 2010. So uh, and I'm not great. It's it's a two way street, but I'm not great at keeping up with his side of the family. And they're not yeah, great yeah. at keeping up with me. It's a genetic thing. We just don't keep up with each other. Um, I wish I knew more. But um, in Goshen, Indiana and. Uh, yeah, Goshen, I believe in South Bend, Indiana, uh, the funks are a big deal there. Uh, I think my grandpa, Walter, built a bunch of the houses there, was a mm. principal in the school for a while. If they weren't Amish, they were Mennonite. But I think that there were times where they went back to being Amish and then they went back to being Mennonite. Now, what is the, so, do you, are you, are you familiar enough to talk about what the, that difference, what, what does that mean? They went yeah. from Amish to Mennonite. What does that mean? So I think that Amish is like, 
so there's different types of Amish within the Amish community. And then there's like beachy Amish and beachy Amish. Like, I think that they're allowed to use technology and stuff like that, as long as it is serving. It can't be, it's not like television or radio, but it's like ovens and farming equipment and stuff like that. And then the same way that like Mennonite, I think is like Amish light. That's very, very simply put, but it's like you dress differently than the world. Um, you like, uh, you don't partake overindulging and stuff like that um, and worldly things, but you also aren't as strict probably as some of the Amish are. Um, okay. So, and then, then I think that, yeah, they're like the, it's like light. It's like some of the things like they're halfway between the world and then um, the full-blown like Amish, Amish. So, um, and then my mom was just born in an, like, I think just raised kind of like in a Pentecostal, blah, 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 church. Um, and then they um, met and married and then had my brother, my sister and I, and then we ended up in Columbia, Missouri. And um, I remember being pretty cool for a long time, but that being said, it was always there. We always kind of knew that things weren't great between them. Um, my dad was obviously a lot more conservative than my mom. My mom was letting us watch TV and play video games and stuff like that. My dad was not super jazzed about that. We we're also really materialistic we wanted toys. And my dad always said we had one box of toys as growing up his entire life. And we had way, way more than that. So anyway, um, then I don't know exactly what happened, but then my brother started rebelling pretty hardcore. Um, I've thought about it and I'm not entirely sure, but he got like really into punk rock, um, like really heavily into alternative music and alternative lifestyle. Then when he, I was like 14, it's probably like 13 or 14. He ran away from home and he ended up living in like the punk scene in Columbia, Missouri, which actually was thriving at the time. I remember going to punk shows and hanging out with him when I was younger and there was a lot to do. Um, and so I got exposed to that stuff pretty early on and that was pretty important. Uh, and then when I was 15, my dad moved my dad was worried about his job he was an engineer he was worried about his job at 3m and he asked for a transfer to a place called davenport iowa and then so he moved us because he was afraid that his apartment was getting down or his department was getting downsized or something and i i really you know glory to god for all things um, I asked him later on, I was like, do you think you would have lost your job if you had stayed in Columbia? He's like, probably not. But the only reason I asked is because I really, really did not like Iowa. I, I still to this day have a longstanding beef with Iowa. Um, it's fine. It's, it's an okay place to live. It's not a big deal. Um, but Columbia, Missouri was like a fun happening college town. And then, yeah, big yeah, difference, man. It, big it difference. was a big, yeah. And then, it's not a Southern state, but Missouri is definitely more Southern than Iowa. Um, it, I would consider Missouri kind of a Southern state, especially the farther South you go, it gets. Well, that, that's a long, that's a long standing uh, beef about whether Missouri is a Northern or a Southern state. Right? I, that's, I that, think, that's to the beginning of the state. <laughs> it's I think, I think so. The northern half definitely is a little bit more north, uh, duh. But like you, you quickly get from Missouri to Missouri, and Missouri is completely different. And I would even go farther south. Is it south? I can't remember to a place called Rolla, Missouri, um, and that place was 
it, while not necessarily like, um, ooh, like Alabama, it's hick. Like you're a, you're okay. hill people. You're hill people at okay. that point. Like it's just, you know, it's the Ozarks, you know, and I love the Ozarks. So um, Iowa is really bland. It's really Northern. It's not a state that's doing very well from what I understand. I went there not too long yeah. ago and I was going like, for a while was supposed to have like a, it had kind of a little bit of a startup, like FinTech scene maybe 20 years ago, but hmm. I think that just fell apart. It, I might have. And I don't know what you believe about this kind of stuff. I wish father was on cause he could speak to it, but with the church, I eventually ended up getting baptized. at had a native American lady hmm. there and she was talking about ley lines and stuff like that. And I, I'm not oh. sure how I feel about any of that kind of stuff. I'm not informed enough to say anything about this this is just what this lady who had been orthodox for like 25 years or something like that had said and they used to call this place davenport part of the thing called the quad cities which was davenport iowa mm -hmm. bettendorf iowa and then it was right on the illinois border of rock island and moline they called it the sleepy valley mm. and it's like where it's what i say is like where dreams go to die it's like <laughs> nightmare valley it sounds like it's but the thing is, is it's like purgatory, right? Mm. So it's not bad. It's not, there's nothing that you could overtly say mm. is terrible. It doesn't have like a funky smell. The crime rate isn't like mm. extremely high. You know, there's a meth problem, but what Midwestern state doesn't really have a meth problem, you know? Not like, just Midwestern states, anywhere. 100%. Anywhere with any rural element to it is going to have a meth problem. Exactly. It's... Yeah flat and boring and this particular place uh was just kind of all chain restaurants um right. nothing terribly fun going on uh there was like no real music scene there was like some mm -hmm. christian metalcore in the mid-aughts but even that like fell apart pretty quickly like it mm -hmm. wasn't like anything terribly fun um so I, i'm i was not terribly happy there i didn't really like it there um but uh, I went to a church that was pretty unhealthy at the time, although I didn't really know it. It was another non-denominational church Got it. called, it was a vineyard. Um, and I met a girl there and we dated for a while. Um, and then she got pregnant. And I think I was 16 when she got pregnant. It was 17 mm. when my first daughter was born. It was one of those conversations where we were like a year into our relationship and it was like kind of out of a movie where I was like, we got something to, I got something to talk about. And she's like, I do too. And I was like, you go first. And she was like, I'm pregnant. And mine was, I think we should break up. Oh, and like, what yeah. What did you have to say? That's I was like, nothing, it's not important, not important anymore. Like not important. That's out of a movie. Yeah. So my daughter Madison was born 2005 and then um unbeknownst that about a year into about a year after that i was just trying to make the relationship work and it wasn't it was just mm. really awful for a bunch of reasons again i don't really want to dive into that it which just wasn't a great relationship we broke up i broke up with her little did i know that she was pregnant with my second daughter i did oh boy. not know yeah i know it's a wreck it's a wreck for a long time uh my second daughter jada was born in 2006 um still in contact with them we still talk my second daughter jada is awesome um not that madison's not but jada is much more like me she's in the comic books and she's into alternative music and she's starting to get into like 
I don't know, music. She's really into gorillas right now. Um, oh, you know, okay. So that's about right. Wait, is gorillas is gorillas still going? Is yeah, that band still going? Go- really? And I was about her age when I got into them. She's about yeah, yeah. I loved them. When you're fifteen, I'm terrible with everyone's age. It's not just hers. I'm terrible with everyone. Fair enough. Yes. But she's even getting into like two thousands like indie rock. So I think like Modest Mouse and like Arctic Monkeys. Oh, that's cool. Like that. I was like, no, yeah, you're right on track. You are right on track. That's Madison, great. my oldest daughter's into makeup. I don't get it. Okay, I don't. That's enough, just not a world enough. I understand. Fair enough. <laughs> like YouTube tutorials and stuff like that, and knows different YouTube stars and their drama. Right, 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 right. Talks right. about it because I try to be a good dad. I sit there and listen, but I don't know what she's talking about. So that's the age. That's that age, though. And that you texting, know? man, their texting is insane. I text mm-hmm. them, and they're just like, I'm just like, novel. Yeah, exactly. What do they say? They say they're natives. Yeah, they're technological natives. I'm technological an natives. Yeah. I'm a technological yeah. immigrant yes. because I went to high school without a cell phone. Like I remember yes. a very specific time playing Snake on my brick mm-hmm. phone mm-hmm. when I was towards the end of high school. So anyway, that breakup was really painful just because I just didn't understand things for a long time. Not because I had any huge feelings for that woman anymore. Um, so then um, after that, Things were murky, not great for a long time. Uh, just my parents' relationship fell apart. They ended up getting divorced. Um, my mom divorced my dad. And while the divorce was still happening, he found out he had leukemia. And um, during, like, I think the final proceedings of the divorce or just a couple months afterwards, uh, he died in 2008. I think I said 2010 earlier, but it's 2008, I think, is when he died. And then um, my mom remarried to another guy and I tried making it work with living with them for a little while, but I was all sorts of messed up. I was grieving and not knowing how to grieve and it was all just terrible. It was like the perfect setup for the next part of my life, which was drug and alcohol addiction. And I got it. That sounds like the perfect setup for that. The breeding ground. It's the perfect breeding ground. Yes, 100%. I forgot to say this. I was going to say this earlier. This is going to be a little bit more rougher episode. Uh, not. I'm going to keep it PG. I uh, don't need to go into the details, but there is going to be some things that probably normally wouldn't, wouldn't normally talk about uh, in this sense, because most of the time it's... Feel free. Yeah. So um, my brother was already struggling with a heroin addiction at the time, uh, an opiate addiction. He stayed in Columbia. He didn't move with us to Davenport, but he tried coming to Davenport a couple of times to get away and start over. And it didn't work. I mean, all I did was detox and then sit around and want more drugs. So, and he's drinking and stuff all the time too. He wasn't going to meetings or anything like that. So anyway, um, a couple of years go by and my mom moved away to Texas and I got evicted from my apartment and I was like staying in this really horrible trailer. Uh, a wonderful loving family that I love to this day took me in, but they were not in a great spot themselves. Love them to death. They didn't do anything wrong. It was me. Um, and then um, 2010, my brother died. My brother died of a heroin addiction, uh, of a heroin overdose. Um, actually, he didn't die of a heroin overdose. He died of a methadone overdose, which is why when people are like, there's nothing That's wrong common. with medically assisted treatment, you know, like, um, you know, methadone and, um, what's the other one the other really big one right now i can't remember it 
off the top of my head, but um, I can't remember that. Whatever. He died in 2010. And um, then I'm very sorry. 2008, I was sitting at my dad's funeral and I was sitting around talking about how I was disillusioned with Christianity, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I wanted to start a new church of uh, a new brand of Christianity where I was that ever dream that every Protestant wants to get back to the church from Acts, get back to the basic church. And I wanted to call it the church of Jesus freaking Christ. Cause I was just like, let's make it like, you know, not respectful. Let's like, let's, let's let, have it be fun. Cause Jesus is a cool dude. You know, like he, all he wanted to do was just love people and blah, blah, blah. Um, obviously very wrong. And my cousin, uh, my, uh, my dad's side, basically sat down next to me he had converted to the greek orthodox church probably like three years before that or something at this point and he was like no 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 this is why what you're saying will not work and it was just like i was immediately like really and from that point just that very first conversation was like the orthodox church is it like instantly right away so we got together that Do night you remember what he said yeah he basically just talked about how the church needs structure and he was the first person to say something to me of like you know that like the church that Christ established never went anywhere. It's been here this entire time. And mm. I wasn't raised Catholic. I had never, ever even thought about why, where that church was. I just assumed it was all just this kind of amorphous blobish church that I had been raised with. And I had never even thought that there was a, a church. I thought, I guess I assumed back in the day in the catacombs, they're all sitting around singing the same worship song that we were singing on like an acoustic guitar. And he, he even broached the point, which I had never thought of, which I don't know where this idea comes from because I run into it fairly commonly, as I'm sure that you do as well, that like Christianity is not an American religion. It's like, no, I've, I, yeah, of course it's not. And like, and as soon as he said that, he was like, it's not a Western religion. It's an Eastern religion. It's like, well, duh, of course it is. Like, I'd never thought about that before. Mm -hmm. It's but from the Middle East. From the Middle East. From what I mean, called. that's where Jerusalem yeah. is in the Middle East. Israel but is in the Middle East. I, the I saw some video or something like that <laughs> where a, uh, I think a Coptic priest was talking and he was on a plane and some guy was sitting next to him i'm assuming an american was like so you're a priest he's like yeah he's like where are you from he's like i'm from syria and he was like um they have priests in syria he's like what are you muslim he's like no i'm a i'm a christian priest and then he was like well who converted you and he was like peter like saint peter converted us like yeah like it's come on, man. Yeah, like, don't you understand? Syrians were some of the very first Christians. Exactly. Like, how Syria borders Israel, Jack. Like, they're fighting against each other constantly. They're, it's right there. <laughs> you know but you got to pass through Syria to get to Byzantium. To get to Constantinople, you got to pass through Syria. <laughs> that's this trap. I don't know what it is. And I mean, I have my ideas now and my decade or so of thinking about it of like why did i think that why did i think that for mm -hmm. so long why did not not even take two seconds to put it together and it's like oh, well of course and like i wasn't raised catholic so i knew no claims of apostolic succession i knew no claims of anything any kind of church history had ever been taught started with the protestant reformation so like all of that stuff was just like the great church fathers were like wesleyan and like i don't know like luther and whoever else calvin and all those calvin, guys yeah so 
Um, so the reason why all that stuff about my family was important was because I went to my first church service. It was a transfig. It was the Transfiguration in a church in 2008, shortly after my dad died. And I instantly walked in. I was like, "This is it. I mean, this is the church. Mm. Like, I got it." Like, so. Um, but then I didn't go back for like another five years. Like it was mm. 2000. Well, maybe it was less time than that. It was 2011. No, whatever. So then uh, my brother died and entered the, I enter into the darkest absolute. If they were to make a movie about my life, which nobody ever will, but if they did, that was the dark chapter. That is your second half of the second act, right before things start to get better. Um, But then at a party, I met my um, then girlfriend, now wife. um, And, uh, we hit it off obviously and i was behind in an apartment i was like six months behind in rent and um i was gonna get kicked out anytime um and she was basically like yo just come move in with my parents and her parents were lovely wonderful people or still are because they're still around lovely wonderful people and they took me in um like a little wounded dog um so then Drugs and alcohol continue for a long time. And what's worse is I start to drag down my wife with me. Um, she, I, she starts trying stuff she'd never tried before. She started doing drugs she'd never done before, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a whole bunch of like really awful things still are happening. Um, but uh, the point is, is that at a certain point, and again, get a little bit PG-13 here, I tripped mushrooms for the first time super dangerous would not recommend it to people i am the exception not the norm that for the first time i'd had my ego broken down and that had never ever happened to me before and i was at like a party it's like i know how to do some drugs give me those mushrooms give me them. like it's not a big deal i just like swooped them off the table threw the 30 bucks down i was like oh. and i was like i knew how to do some drugs it wasn't a big deal to me and then like about 10 minutes later it's like oh boy i've made a mistake i have gotten in over my head and um that for the first time uh i was able to actually see some stuff clearly i got on adhd medication because i have pretty wretched adhd um it can be borderline disabling um and i'm getting to the point now where i'm starting to think it's more than adhd there might be some other stuff wrapped up in there it's just it's very difficult for me to concentrate um unless i'm on medication um it's something i'm working through with father but um, my ability to be attentive is lackluster. Um, and I don't know if it's being an American. I don't know. I don't like using the word trauma. Trauma is overused now. But if it's a hurt based, because that can be, there's um, avoidance, there's um, disassociation, uh, stuff like that, that can happen sometimes where you just like, there's a pain so big early on in your life. I've listened to a couple of people who said that that could be my parents not loving each other. And who knows? Who knows? I'm not one of the, not going to fall into that trap of self-pity, blah, blah, blah. Um, so then a church, God is good. Um, I was really struggling with the idea of going back to the churches that were available at the time because there are two like intergenerational, like Greek churches. Good luck breaking into that community. It's a whole bunch of like gray haired old Greek people. I was going to do it, whatever I needed to do in order to become Orthodox. I knew that that's what I needed to do. But a mission 
Inioki Mission right opened up right down the friggin' street for me. Like no joke, I could walk there. And I did walk there several times with a, an amazing priest, a guy I still love to this day. Came to you. 100 Christ, Christ came to you. 100 Like, I need you. He showed up. He's like, I'm down the street. What? Yep. Hey, yo, bro, you know that whole time that you, these past like three or four years that you've just been in wretched pain and doing the stupidest, most shameful things? It's all good. Let's get back. Let's get back. So I went down there. I wandered into a Vesper service. Um, Father James McCool. Look him up on YouTube. He's got a couple homilies on there. He's just a wonderful kind. It was during the, I believe Obama was thinking about bombing syria or did bomb syria i can't remember it was a little while ago um and i walked in and this man was standing there and he's from boston so he's a really thick boston accent and he's like second generation arabic so he calls everyone honey and he's just like this really sweet man he's like now we're going to war with syria i don't know what good dropping bombs are going to do and i was just like this is the man this is the guy and I went to a couple of liturgies and he's like, let's make you catechumen. And I was baptized. So that's the first part. The little addendum is, is that's how I entered the church. Now, that being said, at the time I was an undiagnosed alcoholic and my drinking was still out of control. Uh, I tried getting sober for a little while by myself through the church. That is totally possible. It's not possible for me um, that I needed something else. So uh, we quickly were like, I was in college. I was doing well for the first time. I was like, well, let's keep this going. Let's move to Kansas city. Cause I want to get back to Missouri. Cause I realized how much I missed Missouri. So we moved and then we came to our church that we're at now. Um, and uh, my wife was not baptized. She was not interested in becoming Orthodox. Um, she eventually did become, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, I had to hit yet another bottom. Uh, same thing happened. Uh, I started doing drugs again in orthodoxy. Um, and I mean, an addict, I'm an addict, an addict, an addict, an addict. So, um, I was still drinking. I was smoking pot. We moved to Kansas city and I didn't work for like the first month. I just sat around and listened to music and smoked pot and drank beer all day long. Shocker. It ended in disaster. And I was yet again in a house that was about six months behind on rent. I managed to get into a sober living home through our church. Um, I was basically squatting. You know, have you seen Fight Club? It was oh, like, yeah. yeah, it was like that house. Like it was just okay. an old beat up house. And it okay. was just, you step into the shower. You don't sure if you're going to bust through the floor. Or something right. like that. So it was wonderful. Those days full of grace. Like I moved in with a couple other sober guys. We totally um, worked through some stuff together. Uh, eventually, um, my wife became Orthodox and we got married. Now we are homeowners and, but the big important, yeah, homeowners, we had two wonderful children, uh, absolutely beautiful life. I mean, just 100%, like all to God's glory, like just like five years ago, even when I was starting to get sober, could not imagine this life. It's, absolutely like i'm still a work in progress not and not everything's like sunny and wonderful like there's still divine darkness i still struggle very very much with the issues that continue to haunt me um and there's still literally several ghosts running around in my brain um but uh reconnected with my two children you know my other two children by the way totally abandoned them for a while when i was in my dark my darkest 
days reconnected god is good um but then the big thing happened in 2020 the big thing happened in 2020 where i was really trying to fit my faith around what i thought i was not woke in the sense that i thought that there's nothing wrong with transgenderism i didn't think that it was okay to be gay i was not that far gone i wasn't like but i was about something's racism the the twisted warped definition that is racism now is totally bought into it i was like look god can use the democratic party to help people blah 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 yeah i know i know so 2020 came and um you know credit where credit is due there was just about three or four conversations when things started to really and my wife and i we kept going to church throughout all of this but our primary motivation was just keep going to church you know politics aside blah 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 i just want to keep going to church you know mask i don't really want to wear a mask in church blah 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 um and there's just about three or four really perfectly timed god's timing conversations with father turbo and i pretty much my my real quote unquote, real repentance began then. Um, I was no longer trying to like say like, oh, the fathers, you know, that was a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. Things have changed since then. I don't know how really good it is to talk about how bad paganism is now because, you know, blah, blah, Christian, the horrible things that Christianity has done while blatantly ignoring the atrocities that atheism and science has done. Just like I get where people are coming from when they don't like Christianity. And that's true to a degree. That's true. Um, but I was greatly blowing that out of proportion because I still wanted to be popular. I still wanted to be okay. I still wanted to be politically correct with people. Um, but where it all ended up was just absolutely just falling down in front of the fathers, you know, the Holy Fathers and to be like, I'm done fighting. Just tell me, just tell me what to do. Just teach me. I've got to repent. There's some things I've been doing for a long time and I got it. I got it. And some things started working out. I got some started hearing some talks started hearing some priests started hearing some monks all started to say things that were perfectly lining up with what i needed to hear when i needed to hear it so i'm still not in a, a place of complete repentance but i feel like i would be really missing out on a key component of my spiritual my faith is when i actually turned to the orthodox church with my full face as much a face as i could get and say i'm not going to try and fit you into my schedule why don't why don't you tell me what my schedule is like like i'm not going to try and fit you into my preconceived notions of what things are and how things should be why don't you tell me how they are like i'm yeah i'm not going to try surrender surrender it's a surrender it was a surrender yeah. don't don't fill in the cracks of my reality wipe everything away and tell me what my reality is and ever since then the musicians my old gods small g old gods my musicians they've all been exposed to the phonies they are mm -hmm. you know the the great thinkers that i love the great writers mm -hmm. that i love what do they have to offer that like really saint john chrysostom or saint nicholas or like saint maximus the confessor don't have but they have so much more and so much better and so much better said because truth i mean is I, I this is funny because i had this shower thought yesterday it struck me because i don't know i was I've been reading something and then just sort of thinking about something. It was after, after evening prayers. I, I don't think my kids were home from the beach yet. They were, they were out there and I was like, ah, oh, let me go just rinse off and everything. And I just had this thought like true Christian theology is the most advanced philosophy that we have available to, 
to us like blows. And I mean, I have a philosophy degree. Like that's like, that's, that's what, that's my college education is. I was a philosophy major. Right. So it's like, and I've been around and read it and it's like real Christian theology is far enough. It's so, so deep and and it's deep and broad, like both of them, you know, and just answers the questions. You talk to an Orthodox priest and priest and just like the ones who the one and everyone that I've talked to so far has like, and maybe I've just been blessed in that regard has like, they're all going to answer in a different way, but because they're all drawing from different parts of the tradition, but it all is a perfect whole to where it's like, here's the whole thing. So this guy's like, I'm going to go in this way. This guy's like, I'm going to go in this way. This guy, this priest is like, I'm going to go in this way depending on their personality, the situation, but you see like when they all come together, it's like, oh yeah, that's one big answer that you could keep drilling into. 100%. And it's, you know, boundless. It, there boundless. is limitless. You can just, I, philosophy is like intellectually challenging. And I, I admit, I've never been really big into philosophy. And I think that was one of the things that got baptized for me was like, I was mm. never going to be about high-minded thinking i'm always a little bit more visceral i like being a little Mm -hmm. bit more lower to the ground now that's also a weakness of mine because then you start to lose me pretty quickly like sure sure sure. even fairly not even fairly but like a little bit advanced ideas you start to kind of lose me uh which is why i tend to stick more towards grounded people but that's not always but i think the best philosophy and if somebody really has great philosophical chops they don't have to speak at like the high, the high level. Like they can explain the concept in a way that will resonate with everyone viscerally. Like really that's where they say like ELI five, like explain it to me like I'm five. If you can't do that, you don't actually know the philosophy. And I think that's what I butt heads with is, is that like, is that concept of like some, some guy fresh out of seminary, like mm-hmm. explaining things in a way that's like, sure, I can hear a three hour podcast about the, you know, the Nephilim, but how does that help me with becoming a father? You know, how does that exactly. help me? How does that help me like change my kid's poopy diaper at two o'clock in the morning while exactly. getting like punched in the crotch or something like that? So, anyway, that's my story. That's where things ended up. That's where I am now is still just continually trying to learn in. The fathers, like what I like about the church is, is that it's among many things is it's that it is daunting. It's daunting mm-hmm. to look at the material, the amount of things that you don't have to learn, but that you could learn and that the way that you should learn them, because I can learn things till the cows come home. And if it feeds my ego, if it feeds, if I can, in the back of my mind, think about, oh man, I can't wait to bust this fact out later. Like I can learn to the cows come home. That is no problem for me. But when I have to learn things in humility, when I'm, I love archery. I, uh, it's my favorite hobby. My wife got me into it about three years ago. I absolutely love bone arrow. I've sunk more money into it re- like than any other hobby. I absolutely love doing it. It's my favorite mm-hmm. thing, but I still have to remember, I have to approach it from humility because when I'm walking out of my favorite archery store, there are 12 year old little girls who are getting bullseye at 60 yards. And it's like, right, absolutely one bullseye at 45 yards. I'm patting myself on my back the rest of the week. So I have to take that same approach. It's like, yeah, I could do this to show up. That would, that's awesome. Cause I am pretty good at it. I'm getting, definitely getting better. But at the same time, it's like, 
dude, like you may be reading St. John Chrysostom. You may be like reading St. Ignatius Branchinov, but like, like good luck, like good luck trying to show that off. Like in, in right. best case scenario, best case scenario, you go to show off and the grace leaves you and you can't remember one single thing that any of those people have said. That's mm-hmm. best case scenario. Worst case scenario is you warp it and distort it. Or what I sometimes mm-hmm. do is fill in the blanks because I don't want to sound stupid. And then I'm just like mm-hmm. out there misquoting fathers and Lord have mercy. Like, please forgive me. But anyway, that's my story. And I want to take a break and listen to yours now. Well, I've, you know, I've told this, I've told this story a few times, but the interesting thing about telling this story is I've probably always, I probably have always told it incorrectly. Mm. And the reason why I think I've probably always told it incorrectly, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is, well, is because of my wife. And the fact, I mean, my wife is Russian. She's Orthodox, you know, from infant baptism, you know, her whole family, it's everybody like, and my, you know, we, so, so. Is she born in Russia? Born in Russia, Samara, city of Samara. And her mother is a, is a, you know, religious woman. When things are going wrong, she's like, I went to the church and, you know, they're lighting candles now for whatever the thing is and praying. And, you know, so she's, it's in her blood, Mm -hmm. you know, like deep in her blood. And, and, you know, and we wound up together in a way that is, it's interesting because I was in a particular time in my life. I mean, it's, you know, I lived my life in public in that regard for a long time. And there were a lot of women around, you know, and my interactions with those women and, and sort of my MO in terms of my romantic life was I had a pattern, right? And it was a pretty bad pattern, like Playboy type of, you know, whatever. That was that was what I was doing. I was TV star and gigolo and doing all of this. So you can imagine what that's like in Las Vegas and how I'm behaving and how I'm acting. And, uh, you know, pretty... Um, Were you born in Las Vegas? No, no. But I was, born, I was born on the California... Well, I was raised on the California side. I was born in D.C., but I don't really remember any of my time there. Okay. Um, I was raised in Southern California in San Bernardino, which is like on the border of the desert. So you got San Bernardino County and then you got Clark County, which is Las Vegas. Okay. So San Bernardino County runs to the border. And then right after that is Las Vegas. So like an so, hour drive. Oh no, it's like five. San Bernardino County is huge. It's the oh, biggest okay. County in the U S like it's the size of most States. You know what okay. I mean? It's gigantic. Okay. Uh, so but yeah, yeah, I mean, so that was, but that environment is familiar to me. Mojave Desert, basically, you know. So, um, yes, yeah, with my wife, it was very different. You know, we actually like dated. It was like very much more traditional. And there was just something there. And I just remember even the first time, and if I look back, I'm really like, this is Christ right? Like even me at that point, the least reachable, because I mean, from an early age, I, 
you know, got pretty heavily involved in the occult, not in a, not in a, what would I say? The theatrical way of like dressing like a goth and doing these things, but like actually doing the practices in the pursuit of power. Right. And actually doing it in a hidden way, like in an occult way, not something that I would talk to people about or anything like that. Right. But really doing the practices and, you know, obviously, and a lot of psychedelics, not like heavy other drug use, but psychedelics heavily. Yeah. And sort of shamanic practices, all of that. Ayahuasca, I've talked about that. You know, I had spent years uh, sort of doing that in the secret group in in Vegas. Do you mind if I ask how you got introduced to it? To, to the occult? Sure. In general? Yeah. The left-handed stuff that you were involved in. Yeah, it's... Um, you don't have to get well, into it if you don't want to, but... I mean, it's not... I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I think that the groundwork was laid for me... You know, I mean, I'm baptized Catholic. Okay. Uh, that's all my... I, I'm, ha- I'm half Mexican, right? So being just Mexican... And coming up in an area that's, you know, San Bernardino, California, the time I'm coming up, city's half Mexican. Um, you know, Mexican culture, period, has a lot of mysticism. It's known for that. Yes. Uh, even the literature is known for, you know, magical realism, all of this. So just, and, and my mom is very much embracing of that aspect of her culture. So she, so she never really like, we never really went to church. My father um, was raised in the Episcopal church. So the Anglican church. So I really, at a young age, those are my first church experiences. So it's like liturgical feels in some ways Catholic, which is, I think how my mom and my dad were able to like, you know, meld that, but she never went to church. It was my dad's family that I went with, but I was like an altar boy. And like, I did all the things. Sure. You know, so, um, yeah. And, and my, you know, my baptism was, was valid there. My Catholic baptism was valid there and they have like, you know, there's, there's not a confirmation process necessarily. So from the first time I remember I was taking communion in church and all of these things. Right. Sure. So, so that was, you know, that was a, a part of my life. And, but on the other side, you know, my mother is a very, she's like, her spirituality is a, is the animistic, not pagan, but more native mysticism, right? So she's not full, full blown, like the, the pagan side, but like, you know, there would be sun things and moon things and, you know, these types. She's not like a wicked or anything like that, but just the natural and, and, and sort of cultural magical realism that is a part of ghosts and spirits. And this is all Mexican. Pretty right? like superstitious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I mean, uh, La Llorona, El Cucuy, like all these things were just a, a part they're just a part of being mexican right like it's just sure. that's just what it is sure and and so for me that's always been very real like there's no question like we would talk about ghosts and that there are spirits and you know that, that they're around you and the spirits of your ancestors and the spirits of your family and you know dead loved ones helping you and these sorts this is just 
taken as a given, right? So this mm-hmm. for me was just part of the spiritual landscape that I grew up in, right? So it's just, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my father uh, was a tech entrepreneur. He, he passed away in um, beginning of 2020, but, you know, he was a tech entrepreneur. There were computers around me from an early age and his mother actually bought me a computer that, that, you know, was able to get on the internet and had a modem and all of that in when I was like a sophomore. And so I started going on the internet and there wasn't, this is like 1995, mm-hmm. sophomore in high school. And there's not much, it's dial up. There's not, not much on the internet at the time, except there's, you know, like sort of hacker stuff. Sure. But then there's all this occult stuff, like just a, a insane amount of occult stuff. And I think that it kind of went hand in hand with sort of the hacker, hidden, this occult knowledge, right? So, so much of the hacker culture is about hidden knowledge and all of this. So you would find like the anarchist cookbook, but then you would find like the Black Raven, the threefold coercion of hell, right? And they'd be on the same list server, you know? Because a lot of these guys are like the same guys who are hackers or whatever are like Dungeons and Dragons guys and all of this. They're into the occult sure. too. And you know, this occult connection with sort of bleeding edge engineering has always been there. And science fiction, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard. Sure. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the science fiction, but then the cult stuff. Jack Parsons. Um, Jack Parsons was yeah. about to say all the stuff. Caltech was founded basically by occultists. You know, J- Jack Parsons is NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, right? So this, and that's who's on the internet at this time, scientists, academics, all of that in, in that vein of people. And so they were taking those two pieces of their life and putting it up there. So I was exposed to all of these things. And I started doing these practices and seeing like, which ones will work. Astral projection, lucid dreaming, you know, different uh, sigils and spells and reading Crowley and doing all of this, right? It just because it's a part of, I'm becoming part of this hacker culture, this early you know, cyberpunk kind of, which, sure. which is also, you know, like even the cyberpunk ethos, um, it's this technology meets magic. It's always <laughs> technology meets magic, right? Like the, these shadow run and all of these types of, and these, these books, you know, where it would be technological and magic, the, the techno mage and yeah. all of these things, right? They're, this is a time when that's William Gibson and all of that. So like a whole episode Buffy about that a Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer I think that there's like a techno mage that comes in and magic yeah. like through the computer and stuff like that anyway sorry so so that was my that was definitely where I was getting these sort of spiritual principles at that time and I will say I've led a very charmed life and I'm going to use that in the correct context hmm. but I started in in these readings and in this practice i did start to understand that there definitely was a spirit a spiritual dimension that was you know happening and that there were rules and there were things that you could do and you know i my awareness of this started to increase and i you know things that could protect me things that that couldn't things that could advance me and sort of in the same way, the left-hand path, you know, I would be introduced 
it was all they, they would all end up there were all traps mm-hmm. but i would be introduced to these things that would like take me to the next level next level next level and it's like you go to the next level what people should know is when you play with the left hand path like when you go to the next level you're gonna fall all the way down like it's next level and then fall you're you're basically doing a it's like a suicide like how which one of these falls is going to be the one that takes you out right so it's like oh you survived that one next one you're up here ha ha so good i'm a master boom all the way down and then it's like okay rise up all the way again and then boom all the way down right so it looks like you're progressing but it's not progression (laughs) like it's a steadily higher and higher cliff and you're just surviving the fall until you don't and that's sort of the that's that's what it's doing right so that's what it's doing with the left hand path i didn't realize that until you know really until quite recently when i've been able to look back through the lens of orthodoxy so the church has has really given me that but um yeah so i mean that's you know I, i i had that i had that practice and it did take me to some very you know I ended up living what was essentially like a fantasy life, this kind of life where you just look and you're like, this doesn't even make sense. (laughs) How do I, how do I end up here? And, you know, again, like, yeah, absolutely. The fall is like, it's all the way to starting over every single time, you know? And I I tell people that my wife saved my life Mm -hmm. and then my daughter coming along very much so. So this or meeting, meeting this Orthodox woman. And the interesting thing about it was when I met her, every, like the spiritual bells were ringing for me. And it was just like, I, first off, I had said like, I'm never having children. That was one thing that I had said, sure. this world is too jacked up. I'm never having children, which is a total like woke thing. 100%. That's like totally part of the woke. Right. 100%. So I had it. I had that evil in me. And I met my wife and I was like, if I was ever going to have children with any woman I've met and I've been with so many women, but if I was ever going to have, never have I met a woman where I was like, oh, if I was going to have children, it would be with this woman. Like, no doubt. I knew this within like an hour of meeting of, of, of us, like on our first wow. date, hanging wow. out with her. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have children, but if I was going to, it would be with this woman of all the women that I've ever met in my life. It would be with this woman. Right. So there was something deeply there, you know, and um, yeah. So the, the first time I was in an Orthodox church was now I didn't put the Orthodox aspect of this together at all. Right. Until like (laughs) this year, really. That, oh, yeah, you wound up with an Orthodox woman. You're marrying an Orthodox woman. Like, what's this all about, right? And it wasn't just getting with an Orthodox woman, but it was also, had she not come along in my life, I would have stayed in the lifestyle that I was in, which, you know, my profession, everything that I was doing hinged on Vegas being what Vegas was at the time. And it no longer is. Like, the pandemic destroyed it. And all of the guys who were my colleagues, it was like, it was a nightmare for them. I mean, like, as I've said before, one of the co-stars of my show who also worked for my agency, I mean, he and I would go on 
double dates with clients all the time. You know what I mean? They'd hire like two sisters. One, one would hire me, one would, one would hire him for the evening or whatever, you know? He, he just got um, 28 years. A tw- he pled guilty to a murder charge. He beat a woman to death with his bare hands while they were in the middle of some sort of ritual wow. while on mushrooms. <sighs> so what I think is a demon popped out of this woman. And this guy was also like very kind of spiritual. He's, Indi- he's half Indian, half German, and he was raised in Japan. And he's a very like metropolitan, um, but the ritual practice is a part of his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. The occult ritual practice is just something that's a part of his life. And, you know, uh, the other, some, some of the other guys that I was associated with, like bad things have happened. And I don't know, like it would have been really weird um, when all of this happened, but it wasn't just getting with my wife. It was getting out of that lifestyle. You know, because she, it was, she was just like, she was, she, it was weird because she wasn't really like, she's like, well, I met you like this and like this, I I know who you are and what's going on. And, you know, this is your income, but I don't like it. And the fact that she didn't like it, not that she was nagging me, not that she was trying to change me, but it was just like, I cared and loved her and we had a family and it was like, okay, then this has to stop. You know, whatever that struggle is that I have to do, like this has to stop. So yeah, I'm lucky because, you know, I have the software background. I was already a successful software developer at the time that sure. you know, I started in on this little gigolo adventure and I kind of knew like, I'll have to go back to this, but eventually. So, okay. Yeah. So, so to, to, so that's, the, that's the background of like, then the church, right? So like, I think Christ is working in, in, in like, how could he not be working through my wife? And probably her mother is probably praying for me as well, you know, and all of these things. So sure. who knows what's happening in the background in terms of prayer that's affecting things, Sure, you know, but let needless to say, there are Orthodox praying <laughs> for me to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my daughter's baptism was my first time being in an orthodox church and and the church Whoa. is in la it's a um russian orthodox church it's in west hollywood and it is the uh protection of the theotokos okay. is the, the church in west hollywood oh, very fitting, oh, yes, very fitting. Well, it's yes exactly and i remember walking in and immediately I knew that this was nothing like the Christianity I had experienced. So, you know, coming up Anglican, so there's a bit of ritual there, you know, um, and then my dad became like kind of non-denominational and um, in my teens, and I kind of did that. We went to like Saddleback Church, like this mega church in South Orange County. Wow. And um, horrible. Yeah. Hated it. Sound great. You know, it seems so unreal, especially since I was practicing all of those things and got in there and I was like, there's no real spirituality happening here. This is like a, this is just complete materialism. There's no power here. Like these people are all joking. They're all faking. Yes. You know, 
that was that was my impression of it is like these people are talking about spirituality but they have no idea what spirituality is i do you know because i'm practicing all this occult stuff um so so i get it but you know they they didn't have it um so yeah i walked into that church and i was just like like what is this you know what is this did i lose you you still there yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. you're just being stoic (laughs) um but but you know the icons the icons the smell of the incense yes the everything was just like whoa and then you know the ceremony itself and the the priest chanting you know and 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 i'm like oh this is i knew at that moment i was like my wife's christianity is something completely different yes i was like this isn't a joke you know, I immediately, I immediately, I immediately was like, there's real power here. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I felt. Right. Yeah. There's something happening. And not only that, like, and this happened in the case of both of my daughters, they were both, they both were baptized in the same church. I watched a transformation happening to the child during the process things. Cause I'm very in tune with my daughters and I have been, I've been so so there, you know, every day of their lives, you know, um, and I could see like, even these, these babies that I, you know, six months, I wasn't necessarily like, didn't have so much with them, but still every day they were in my arms, you know, there's a connection. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with both of them, especially my first, um, something was happening. There was a moment I remember where uh, my daughter, so some of my family was there and um, my great aunt um, and her husband, my, my uncle were there. They're on my mom's side. They're Mexican, very Catholic. Mm-hmm. So like very involved, but Catholic, like involved, very involved with the church. Okay. So, you know, part of all of the little societies and the charity things and they're old they're in their 80s so they've been around and you know uh very good friends with cardinal mahoney when he was there in la very involved you know you walk into their house and the first thing that you see is like a commendation signed by pope john paul to you know my my aunt and very involved with the church okay Sure, sure and so they were there and they were you know I, I was like, uh, how's Aunt Norma going to take this whole thing being a Russian Orthodox church? She was with it. Oh, she was, she was with it. it. Yeah. She was with it. And there was one moment where my, my oldest daughter like started making and like she was chanting along with the priest. Yeah. And my aunt goes, she's singing. Like she was like, she was feeling. And it was in this moment where I was like, this is real. Yeah. So I knew it was real, but it wasn't like, oh, now I'm going to be Orthodox. I was just like, wow, this is wonderful that my children have this spiritual tradition that comes through their mother. And isn't it wonderful that it's not fake and it's legit? Yeah. Not yeah. that not that, that was what I was going to do, but that I could recognize the power. Sure. Sure. Right. So yes. which is which is kind of an appropriate thing for for Cyprian of Antioch, right? Because it's kind of a similar story there, like coming from a sorcerer, recognizing the power of, of the church. But 
it was so it you know something happened in 2019 2019 2020 where just for whatever i don't know what was going on in my life i had i i became very interested in the history of Christianity, some of it because of the things I was experiencing in the Bitcoin community, where I was seeing the schisms and things like that, that I was involved with that were mirroring what I knew about the history of Christianity. So like I started just digging into like the history of, and, and the ancient church and all of this, uh, read Darmade McCullough's book, Christianity, the first 3000 years. And was like, ah, I do not know what Christianity is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, but very much had sort of the same thing that you did where I did not know where is the original church. And interestingly, I didn't have the background to understand that what was happening in the church during my daughter's baptisms was the ancient church. Now, probably some of that was because the chanting was in church Slavonic my sure. wife wasn't going to explain it to me. Her friends weren't <laughs> going to explain it to me because it's just part of their, why explain it to you? This is just what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, yeah. it's, it's just, that's our thing. Okay. 100%. Like, we're not trying to convert you. This is our thing. We've brought them into the church. They're our children. Like, Stand, there it, you know? Stand there and be Stand quiet. Stand there and be quiet. Right. Yeah. And which is what I did. Right. This is what I did. And um, yeah, it, it was you know, to long, long story short and already an already long story. Let me, let me like make it short. Cause I think I've told a lot of the rest of it. A lot of it was coming here and beginning to pray in the same way. Although this happened be okay. No, I can tell you what the catalyst moment for me was. So I had this long relationship with ayahuasca, as I said, like years, sure. multiple years. And you know, dozens of ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And um, that was my, that was the purest experience that I had of having a relationship with a small G God, like a real one. Yes. A real one. Yes. Right. Like grandmother ayahuasca, a real God. Yes. That is, that is the God of a particular group of people in the Amazon. That is their goddess. Yes. Right. That they commune with, that tells them things. And all of the things that they said, it wasn't like some anthropological experiment or anthropological story that somebody hears on YouTube. I talked to the goddess. Yes. To their goddess, their, this spirit, small g god. Yes. Right? Now, whether this is a demon, probably this could be considered to be a demon. Um, it's definitely like an animistic nature spirit, right? And it does have some amount of knowledge. It can do some things for you. It is powerful, especially for somebody who's never had a real interaction with the god yes to to be like oh there's another entity here and then after the ceremony you talk to people and you've all experienced the same entity yes Yes. you know and it's like whoa what is this yes you know and getting a lot of insights and all of these things so i'm trying very hard to be quiet right now because like go ahead i could go on and on about that no it's just (laughs) this is just the experience that people have. I mean, it's just, that's it. Yeah. Yes. And once you've had that, you know, 
Like, okay, that's this the, is all real. That's the thing is my brother was so into like psychedelics and he kept trying to explain to me. And I was like, it's a chemical reaction in the brain, man. Mm-hmm. It's, no. it's not real. Blah, blah. It's like, and then like that, that feeling that I had 10 minutes in, I was just like, oh boy. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's like Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens when he just turns and he looks at them. He's like, it's all real. The good, it's the all light, real. all of it. It's all real. It's all true. And I was like, mm-hmm. And then communing with a small G, God, that's up for debate. We'll find out Judgment Day because that spirit ended up kind of pulling me down to that church. Long story, different different time. So it is. Well, it's you know, I mean, who who are the demons working for at the end of the day? It's like this is this is the interesting question. Yes. You know? So for a large chunk of my life, the guidance that I was getting from ayahuasca was really guiding the decisions and choices that I was making. Now, if I look back, what's interesting was she was giving me all of these visions. They were warped. Like every single one of them was true, but it was all warped. Yeah. And so it's a really weird, it's very, very weird, very weird. And that's like probably story for another day. But my last ceremony before that ceremony this was when I was, you know, going through the history of Christianity. I had begun praying. Um, I ran across this, uh, like, videos of this guy, Derek Prince, who was kind of like in the 80s and 90s, this Pentecostal preacher, I guess you could call him. Very interesting. But, you know, the Pentecostals are, are one of the more, of the Protestants, they're the ones who acknowledge the spirit world the most, for sure. Mm. And so, you know, he, it was the first time it was listening to, I guess, a sermon that he was, not even a sermon, more a lecture that he was giving, uh, I don't know, maybe it's from the 80s, where he says, uh, ah, just read a gospel, just read a gospel as a story, and you'll see that Jesus's ministry was casting out demons and healing the sick. And I was like, what? What did you just say? Because I was like, no, I know the Bible, I've read the Bible. But then I realized, like, Oh no, you know, Bible verses, bro. Yeah. You know, like these cherry picked Bible verses. Yes. You have not read one gospel all the way through as a story of Christ. I was like, I haven't done that. And I read and I was like, oh yeah. Christ's ministry is casting out demons and healing the sick. And all of these stories are taking place while he's traveling around, casting out demons and healing the sick. And the sermons that he's giving is people showing up to be healed. Yes. People are coming for healing, right? Spiritual and physical. They're coming, they're coming to him for healing. And then even afterwards, the ministry of the apostles is healing. Yes. And, and, and healing through the word as well. So it's like, yes, you're going to be healed in the spiritual way, but then you're also going to be healed in this, like in the way of the logos, you're going to learn what that mechanism is. Yes. Right. And then I was like, oh, I don't know what Christianity is. Yes. That was what told me I have no clue what it is. And so then I started praying. And I didn't know how I was praying or anything. And it may have been through Derek Prince that I heard the first mention of somebody mentioned the Jesus prayer. Mm-hmm. And he was mentioning it as like one of these powerful prayers that has been used since ancient times. And so, so I started not knowing how to pray, but like praying in earnest. And what really set it off to me was the last ayahuasca ceremony that I had, you know, part of going in before a ceremony, again, spiritual principles, you have to fast. So it's called a dieta. 
Okay. Can't eat meat. Can't eat meat. No sexual activity. No caffeine. Like it's you can go very heavy, but it's basically like seven seven days before, Whoa. and then three days before, definitely no sexual activity. None of that. So interesting. These spiritual yeah. principles, right? Before you're going to commune with the spirit. Sure. Before you're going to ingest the thing. It's like, well, you're going to need to do this particular dieta, this particular fast. And so I, I was always pretty good about, about doing that. And the last one that I had, I had been praying for a few months, reading the gospel, really being like, ooh, this Christianity thing. And I got into the ceremony and I encountered uh, Mother Ayahuasca. And she was like, pissed. That, that has got to go. That God, that, that Trinitarian God needs to be exercised from you before you can come close and talk to me. She was Lord like, you're, you're not going to get anything from me. Lord in mercy. He's got to go. Get him out. And that just like, that shook me to where, and, and I got nothing from the ceremony, basically. Wow. Except her just being like, I refuse. He's got to go. He's got to get that out of you. I can't talk to you. That's weird. Because mm -hmm. I had, I just put that together. I just had a similar experience. That really? was weird. After I, after I was baptized, I, I tripped mushrooms in Kansas City. And that's the next day we decided to, that we were going to move to Kansas City. My wife and I mm -hmm. went to an art museum. And then I was so set on having that same experience again. Mm -hmm. That's weird. And I have been baptized and I had taken Eucharist for the first time. And I remember taking the mushrooms and going to the same art museum and expecting like a similar reaction. And there's all that hoodoo that we were talking about last mm -hmm. time with father or the other time with father. And I remember just like, they must've just been some bunk mushrooms and let's not rule that out. But like, I was like getting nothing. I got nothing. Mm -hmm. And like the other one before that was so powerful. It was so mm -hmm before I was baptized, it was so powerful. It was like a night I'll remember for forever. Um, not their spirit, their spirits and you're a vessel. And that really told me, and it was interesting. So it's not that I got nothing, but what I got was really weird. It's almost like she was revealed. So uh, it's, it's almost like the veil was pulled back on her in a way. Because, you know, she would, so she was there and with me. But what I started to realize was she was like, I, it was like, I don't want to talk to you, but it's almost like we're here and communing. So it's like, you're here with me. And it was that, she, so she, it was almost like I got a glimpse of her. Because early on, early on, maybe the second ceremony, one of the people who I had been in the first ceremony with a young kid was like, you know, you can ask her about her, right? You don't just have to ask her about like your questions or whatever. He's like, ask her about her and watch what happens. She loves to talk about herself. Mm -hmm. Like, really? Go into the second ceremony, get in there. And I'm like, okay, tell me something about you. And it was like, I was shot out of my body back in time, zoomed over into the Amazon and plopped down into the Amazon. And she was like, I, this is a, see this environment? No one would want to live here. Do you know why people live here? Do you know why they stopped? She said they were traveling through here and they, and I found them because they even say like, Oh, how, how did you learn how to cook this ayahuasca brew? And the shamans say, Oh, 
ayahuasca taught us like taught our ancestors yeah yeah and she said i'm the reason why they stopped here i'm the reason why they continued to stay here and she said and now i want out i want out of this jungle and i want you to bring me out of this jungle meaning like evangelize sure right but this time it, that last time when she was you know like get that thing out one of the things that she said was she was like be a tr- be a tree this is one of the only things that she was like, I want, or I want you to be a tree. She's like, be a tree, be a tree. And I was like, what is this tree thing? She's like, oh, well, be a tree for your family. Be a tree for, be a tree, right? But then I, I saw her coiling because she's a vine. Ayahuasca um, is a vine. Oh. And, she, and the things you get are very vine-like. Like everything moves like this when you're dealing with her. So everything, so it was like, be a tree. And then I saw her wrapping around me right? Like be a tree. And the thing is the, the vine has to uses the tree to climb so it can get to the sunlight. Right. Because it's in the for the, the dark Amazon, yeah, sure. it's dark yeah, down yeah. below. So it uses, it needs to climb up to get to the sunlight and it gets up and then the vine shoots out above the, the tree trunks with its leaves above the treetop with its leaves to get the, the sun. Yeah. So it was like, Oh, you're trying to climb me. Like I'm, you're using me, you're riding me. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And that was, that, yeah. so that was what I got on like the, the last ceremony. And then that solidified for me that like, okay, this is super powerful. Christ is really, really powerful. And I need to like have some respect. And so then it was, it was in praying and get when, when things happened, went weird saipan came onto the radar you know and i was like okay i think that's a place to go you know the top of the mountain here the highest point in saipan there's a statue of christ mm. you know highest mm. highest point of, of on this island where i am right now there's statue long as of he's not wearing a mask he's not, definitely not wearing a mask <laughs> and and so then you know it was coming here and praying and just praying to be taught how to pray that's what i was praying more than anything you know, teach me how to pray. What am I supposed to do? And just praying at that all day. And, you know, in this magical providential way that Christ does it, Father Turbo appears in my life. You know, what's you interesting know? is if I know the story correctly, you connected with a guy who actually drew my son's baptismal icon. Like yeah, that, Stu, that wrote, Stu, yeah, yeah. wrote my mm-hmm. son's baptismal icon like St. Nikolai. I think that's how you guys first connected. With that, that is how, that is how we first connected. Yeah. That is so how that, we first connected. Yeah. Yeah. So that icon he wrote of St. Nikolai, it's actually my son's icon. That's like for my son's baptism and everything. Cause he's bumped his St. Nikolai. That icon is incredible. I, I have it up like up in our prayer corner right now. Well, so, and we connected because of the Jesus prayer. That's because yeah, I remember listening to you on uh, man beyond the wall. That's that's what it was on Pete Kingaris's podcast. Father turned me on to the first one and then the second one. And then I was already listening by the time the third one came out where you and I don't remember his name, the the host's name. Um, Pete. Yeah, Pete. Pete, Yeah. Actually started talking about spirituality. And I remember I was driving for a living at the time and I was listening. And then you were like, I remember like getting closer and closer and he's like, okay, this guy's like, okay, yeah, he's talking. And then you dropped the Jesus prayer. And then I was like, the Jesus prayer? I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, this is this guy's 
if he's not orthodox, he's sure on his way. And then like uh-huh. texting Stuart and I was like, have you listened to the third episode? And then he didn't get back to me for like a day. And then he did when he did, he was like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I was like, is anyone connecting with this guy? Is anyone talking? So it's you. So it was you. Yeah. I mean, maybe. So it was you. (laughs) But it was, it was a whole, it was like a whole thing. And I remember calling my wife and being like, this dude I've been listening to, you just talked about the Jesus prayer. And he was talking about going to the beach and praying the Jesus prayer every morning. And I was like, um, I just remember being like, that's pretty cool. Now we're on a podcast together, but <laughs> um, well, it's you know this is this it's interesting because so a friend of mine who's Catholic, somebody that I've known for a long time, he's become more. I mean, I, I think he's always been pretty pretty devout, but you know he hasn't been real public about his Catholicism until recently, until all this stuff happened, and he's gone down a real kind of like you know, he's really embraced the trad thing and like Latin mass is very important and all this, you know, he's doing all the things. And um, just a a recent sort of back and forth that we had, um, he, he said, well, you know, I'm sure that when somebody asks you about how to pray that you tell them, you know, the Jesus prayer. And I was like, I don't, Yeah. you know, like I definitely don't. I, if, if they, unless they ask about it specifically. And if they ask about it specifically, I tell them to read St. Sophroni, his life is mine because he talks about it. And I'm like, only even think about practicing it. Like after that, yeah. only even, and that's even to only think about it. Right. Yeah. But what I, what I do say to people is like, cause it was my path and I know that it's, that it works, that it's true is ask, like ask to be shown how to pray. Yeah. Pray to be shown how to, and I mean, there's Orthodox prayers that, prayers that say, teach me how to pray, pray in me. Yes. You 100%. know, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit teaches you how to pray. Yeah. Yeah. Just pray, pray that the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. And it's like the way that that's going to happen is going to be how the Holy Spirit makes it happen. It may be a person comes, it may be a book comes into your life. It may be whatever it is, but you will be shown how to pray. If yes. you pray to be shown how to pray yes providentially providentially Providentially. yeah providentially suddenly something will happen where it's just Mm -hmm. oh wait i mean it doesn't even have to be like a big whole mystical experience it could literally just be like oh you happen to meet your friend joey and joey's you know experienced with something or something like that or maybe or maybe it you know or maybe it doesn't you know because maybe maybe that's maybe you're praying yeah you know like that's the thing like maybe maybe you are praying you know and maybe that's how you're being shown how to pray is that it's like no what you're being shown is get at it you know lord knows right only the lord knows how how that's going to go down 100 percent. but the amount the number of providential things that have happened in my life since even just starting to draw closer to orthodoxy, but never mind after baptism. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just like, it doesn't, it, the old me would look at this and be like, this doesn't even make sense. But very Cyprian of Antioch style, it's like, had I known this power was available, I would have ran to it at a much earlier age, but I would not have been ready for it. Yeah. Because I would have approached it in a way where I was seeking the power. 
I think both of our stories make it pretty clear that we saw it. We're like, I see what you are. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready yet. I'm not mm -hmm. ready yet. Let give me more time. And God was like, mm -hmm. cool, we can do that. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that's right. And it's, it's also, a, it's the longing and the need. There's and a, I think that's part of the surrender, right? There's a term I can't remember. And it's one of my favorite things, but the Greeks, of course, the Greek have a word for mm -hmm. the longing, the hurt that you have for God. Um, and I, I should have looked that up. I should have had it prepared. Um, but I didn't know it was going to come up tonight, but I, I need to just have that memorized because like, there's a million of those little Greek phrases that I just mm -hmm. love. Like, uh, a guy I, I listened to says, um, proud words, like, or humble mm. words, humble words. I'm a, I'm a worm, I'm garbage, you know, but then you actually criticize them and they lash out. Like they're just, right. they're just saying, and it's like right. one of my favorite things. And he's told me before what the word is, but I can never remember it, but there's that, that longing that hurt inside of you that like it's i don't know it's, it's from childhood that idea of just mm -hmm. like going and lighting it because i i remember and there's a quick aside back there that that mission i knew where it was and i remember like when i would go like smoke pot i i always went to that parking lot right mm. next to it and i because i just knew it was a safe place even before i had gone to the church even before any of that stuff I would just go like sit in that parking lot because I knew it was in it was in a little strip mall and I would just go sit there and I knew that it was there and I would I, I would just sit right outside because I knew that the church was there and I was safe like I was safe mm. if I was like kind of by that church and like even like like I, I don't remember exactly how I got it but I would go in and like just sit outside the door like just sit outside the door of the church and nobody was there there was nothing going on I would just sit there and just be like this is this is a safe, warm, good place to be that that ache has subsided mm. for a little bit. Like I'm nearer to God now. And um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but that was I mean, that. That, it, well, longing. Yeah. Very, well, it's part of the I think there's something there's the there's the correlation to this idea of rock bottom. You know, mm. there's this correlation of. Because it's a matter of surrender very much at that point and it's and this calling out as well and that that was i noticed the difference let's say of the occult practice that i had had in the past and then my prayer life and the way that i approached it and like look the spiritual practices that i and i mean they were there they are diverse i like there's there's a lot but there's principles that go through through all of them sort sort mm -hmm. of as we had the you know the conversation a few episodes back about like how there's these, this crossover of the east and i have some experience with some eastern cults as well but um it was always when i would approach let's say spirits deities whatever the the way that i was calling out was very different in the occult practice you know that it was sort of like as an equal, as a, hmm. you know, even to some degree with some of like trying to like summon lesser demons and stuff that it's almost like trapping a wild animal and, and taming them almost, you know, when you're doing these things and it's like utilizing that power. Whereas with Christ, you know, it's a, it's an acknowledgement of the hierarchical difference, not, yeah. not calling out to an equal, not being like, 
hey, come here so I can trap you. But it's like, okay, like, please. Yes. Please. Yes. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm right here. I'm small. Please. Please. Yes. I know you're there. If you could just, please, just do something. Lord have mercy. Lord have like, mercy. Like, really, just Lord have mercy. Like, yes. I'm here. Please. I don't, I don't have any power over you. I can't do anything to make you do anything, but I'm just begging you. You know, I'm begging, please. Sometimes when I'm in the place to say it, like if I'm doing well spiritually and somebody's asking me how to pray, it happens from time to time. I say, start with please. That's how I, yeah, just please. Don't, it doesn't have to be anything more than just please, please, please. Because the Mm -hmm. Jesus prayer, you know, it's still, I tussle with it in the way that I think is appropriate. But sometimes I just got to go back down to just please, just mercy, just please Mm -hmm. and mercy, just please and mercy. I'm not doing well. You know, I'm not doing well. Please help. Please help. And, you know, usually, you know, I get a little bit of help, you know, a little (laughs) bit of a reprieve. Usually if, if, if I'm in the place to be getting that help, Mm -hmm. I need to be broken down a little bit more. If I need to keep my hand in the box, the Gom Jabbar just a little bit longer. Jabbar. I just yeah. need to keep the Gom Jabbar going a little bit longer than I just need to keep the Gom Jabbar going a little bit longer and need to be at peace with that. And that's the other thing. That's the correlation. Sometimes is, is how you call upon God has to be at this place of like, it has to be in a place of, of not calling out to an equal, but it has to be in a place also of like, and I feel comfortable talking about this because this, I, I'm sure we can find many, many texts to back this up. Sure. This is, I think Orthodox Christianity 101, I'm, I assume that it is, but it has to be in a place of, if it is your will for me yeah, to- your be will God, be done. Your will be done. Absolutely. Your will be done. If you need me to feel this way right now, then please give me the strength to endure this feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, give me the strength to endure what's happening to me right now. Don't relieve it mm-hmm. necessarily, although sometimes that is my prayer. Please help this thing to go away. But sometimes like that thing doesn't sure. need to go away. Sometimes that thing needs to still be there. And it's just like, okay, well then please let me have the strength to endure this thing because I'm well, not going to. It's the it. Lord in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, yeah, exactly. if it be your will, take this cup from me, yeah. you know, that I'm about to drink, but only if it be your will. Yeah. If not to the cross, I go, you know what I mean? But if it be your will, take it. But if not, okay. Yeah. And I mean, mercy is. At least, at least as I have experienced it, at least there is mercy. Because yeah. I can tell you, messing around with these other spirits, there's no mercy. They're probably not they have terrib- no mercy. Yeah, they're probably not terribly nice. Well, they're they 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 are terribly nice. They're terribly nice if you are. Well, it's it's not because what what it is is that they're gonna it's a, it's a trap. It's a lure. Right. So you imagine like a fishing lure or a baited trap. Yeah. You know, to where you're like, it's a, it, it looks like a free meal, which is very nice. Right. You don't bait a trap with something that the, yeah, sure. the prey doesn't like. You bait a trap with the nicest thing that the prey could possibly imagine. And they're like, oh, lucky me. This is great. <laughs> Laid out right in front of me. This is good. And then like, there you go in the trap and now snap. Now there's no mercy from the hunter. It's just, and that's what they're there for. That's what they want, you know? So it's wonder, like. I wonder who you're communing with in alcoholism. Like you have to be communing with something 
and it, it probably has to transcend pride or, or ego. I mean, there well, is, I, you know, I've had, I've had thoughts about this. Um, and this was for better or worse. This was an aspect of my spiritual practice. So I had a vodka company. Okay. Um, yeah. Called baby vodka that was uh, distilled in Vegas. And um, you know, I was very specific about the bottle design, the marketing, like the logo, all of it. It's very, it's very, uh, let's say, let's just say it's drawing on some, like, it's Luciferian. That's okay. probably the best way to put it. Okay. And, and meaning to be so. Sure. Intentionally. Right? Okay. Intentionally so. And I think alcohol alcohol definitely has a spirit about it but my thought and my experience has been that alcohol in and of itself is a like a um, it's a spiritual lubricant in a way hmm. and that it can allow you to commune it basically allows the spirits to come in more which is what it does. It knocks down your inhibitions. Sure. You know, they say in vino veritas. Um, it opens you up, but it opens you up to like definitely your passions. Obviously, yes. there's no yes. question about that. But I think that the, the spirits that, you know, we all know people who literally become possessed when they drink. Yes. They're a different person. Yes. I you just know, they become it. inhabited. It was like that Smeagol and Gollum scene in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. He was like talking like this. And then it was, and just like, I saw and when you, I, the limited spiritual eyes I have could see it, could see like the darkness resting on his brain. I was just being like, and then he was be like, I never thought I'd be in this place again. It's like, what is going on, man? It's it, like, I think it basically wow. lets the demons out is what it does. I would think maybe that's more it. It's more of like an unlocking of a cage for a little while. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Unlocks yeah. it because you think about, you know, you talk to people and, and I mean, you probably, you probably know about this, you probably have some, some experience in terms of your work, but it's like domestic violence, right? Is almost 100% of the time tied to alcohol. Yes. Almost 100% of the time. If you're talking about battered women or children or even, you know, never mind. Women beat up men all the time. Yes. The story before that is always we were drinking. Yep. We were drinking. Yep. I was drinking. I was drunk. All of this. But this goes for all kinds of things. Molestation, incest, like yeah. all, the, all these terrible, terrible things. Kind of rites and rituals are behind it. Because I mean, like, like it's unintentional. Sure but you're partaking mm -hmm. in a rite. You're partaking in a ritual. Like you're, oh, for you're, sure. you're, you're participating in something. I mean, there's, this is something that I think, I think I would need to talk to father about before I went any farther, because now I'm going to start speculating and I don't want to do that because. Well, I, I will tell you idea. this, what's, in, what's interesting, you know, like <laughs> I'm one of the few people that like has, and this was part of the reason of like starting a vodka company and doing all of this is like, I mean, I was, I was paid to drink with my clients. Sure. And I was paid to drink a lot with my clients. Sure. You know? And so like I was a professional drinker and not like drink to get blackout, but like 
knowing the right amount and everything to make the magic happen. Uh, right to make the whole uh, thing to make the whole thing happen right to ensure that i would be booked again that it was a magical experience i would be booked again and make thousands of dollars and empty this person's bank account right like that's my goal and alcohol is the main tool that's being used to accomplish that in my life at that time right and i'm partaking in it too so there's a, there's uh, a ritualistic aspect happening there right so like the same way somebody could be a professional eater, like I was a professional yeah. drink drinker, but it wasn't just like, how much could you drink and still be standing? But it was like, how can you appropriately use this substance? To create an experience. To create an experience. And that was my vodka is B-E-B-I, beautiful experiences beyond imagination, baby vodka, right? Wow. So, right. So what, what, I, what I will say is that like, there's a level, there's a level where like, I don't, it's, it's a neutral, I think it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual tool, like chanting, like candles, right? Any, you're going to experience this in, whether you're calling demons, whether you're calling iconography, symbolism, whether you're calling demons, whether you're, you're t calling the Holy Spirit, you're going to see these things. And wine is a part of the Eucharist. You know, so it's like, it's there, but I think there's an important, there's something important in there. And this was something that I knew as well is that it's like, there's a point, there's a point at which like the demons are not all the way out. And potentially there's even a point at which with a very, with, where it's very much drawn back where there might be a positive outcome. And clearly if it's, you know, not that much and it's blessed and it's part of Eucharist, this is the, the most holy thing you could possibly have. Yes. Right. So, so it can't be on its, the alcohol itself can't be. No, it can't be negative. That's right. I mean, I'm not a, what is it? The Tito, Tito, teetotaler. teetotaler. Yeah. No. In fact, if people are around me, like people come over for D and D or something like yeah, that, like yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, or I'm hanging out at other people's house. Maybe even somebody I don't really know that well. It's like, please drink, like please, like you. The more relaxed you get, the more relaxed I'm going to get. It's good. Like just have a couple beers, get relaxed, get nice and chill. Ah, uh, but it's beyond a couple beers. It has to for for if, that. If you go, if you go three, if you go four, I think it's at about four. Four is when things start getting weird. Four beers, first off, you, you can't get, after three, after three beers, there's no joy. There's no, it's not no happiness. There's no euphoria. You're chasing after something. And I think that that's really what it is, is that it's like you're falling or you're, you're being brought into this spiritual, this place where you're more open to the intangible. Yeah. And then you start trying to chase that with more, but the more you do what you're open to now, you fall down. Yo, right. Yeah. And it's the, those lower, those lower spirits, those fallen spirits, you know, and they go, so, you yeah. start to actually see who it is. And then like, mm -hmm. yo, that Trinitarian God that you've been chasing no more. You oh, can't. they don't want the, Oh no, no, no. They don't want that guy. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, see, 
what, what you're doing is you're masking your pain and you have a lot of pain, buddy. You lost your dad and your brother within a couple mm-hmm. of years. If, if anybody had your life, you'd keep drinking, man. You, mm-hmm. You're, you're going to go down in history as a tortured genius. You just keep going, man. All the best writers and you're a writer, man. You love writing. All the best writers, all the best actors were drunks and you know it. You're just doing the same romantic thing that they're doing. You're going to be the, the crazy tortured genius that gets things done. And mm-hmm. but like in reality, I'm the only one that's thinking that and I'm sitting in like an apartment or a house with like spilled ashtrays and bong water and like my Hawaiian mm-hmm. shirt drinking Bloody Mary's at nine o'clock in the morning and like my landlord's banging on the door for rent. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a genius. Like, don't worry about it. I'm so smart. I can't handle my brain. So I need to drink. I was Boy, in the same just... place, man. It was part of my brand. You know, like uh, the, the TV show that I was on when we walked onto like the set, if you want to call it that the first thing that all the PAs would be like, well, what is, what is it that you want to drink? The whole show is us like drinking on camera, day drinking. Like that's the whole thing. We're throughout the whole thing. People would see me and they'll be like, Oh, if I didn't have a drink in my hand, they'd be like, why aren't you drinking? You know, it was, was, it was, that was just a part of my brand, but I, but I did that and I fell into it with the same idea, right? This romantic thing. Oh, the greatest writers, yeah, actors, yeah. you know, they're, they're looking back. Oh, the, yeah. yeah, the playboys, the playboys of the past, the rat pack, like all of these, you know, these type of romantic Vegas figures. Of course, you're supposed to be drinking all day, every day. Like that's all you're supposed to. And I I embraced it, you know, but I I I look back and it's like. Now, I think I think I, I was either lucky or unlucky that, you know, those demons weren't they had a bigger plan for me. They wanted to bring more people in before they drove me all the way to the bottom. That's I truly believe that. And that it's like they were just like, ah, prop him up. Just yeah. Keep him, sta- keep him standing. Yeah. Keep him standing to do our bidding like we've got a good mouthpiece. Right. He could draw a lot of people into this thing. You know, keep, keep, keep him up. Like the other people will, will, will take them down and then we'll really take him down. Like he's going to go down to a place where like he can't recover. And like I say, Christ I truly undid believe, it. I truly believe. Yeah. Christ through my wife, Christ, undid an, ortho, it. an orthodox does. woman yeah. started, started, you know, started the turnaround. And so funny that it's like, doesn't it have to come through this like beautiful Russian woman, which was the only thing that I could see at the, you know what I mean? Like, oh no, 100. That's what, that's what, that's he how does. it has to come. That's how that's, it has to come, right? That's what he does. He undoes. He does. He baffles. He baffles the mm-hmm. demons and he sees their plans and he, without, mm-hmm. and not even, well, sometimes in an overt way, but even just like these really subtle ways, just like kind of, oh, who is it? There's an inhuman uh, in Marvel, Calabac. No, it's not Calabac. I can't remember. It's one of them is able to look at anything, mm. instantly find the flaw in it and exploit Ooh, that flaw i can't remember i don't think that's calabac no that can't be calabac i don't think it is maybe it is i'm that's not a really... great power that's a great power and the thing him. is is i'm not even sure it's his power i'm not even sure he's inhuman i think he just hangs out with the inhumans but his power is or his mm. gift whatever is that he's able to see what's going on it's just like this total like it's like if you're looking like i know this is just the image that comes to my brain but i'm not sure it's like if you're like looking at a mummy and you know exactly where to just tug on the 
and the, it all comes off. And it all comes raveling down and he just like one little thing and it's just like, mm-hmm. and that's just christ i mean that's what he does he just like yes. he goes in and he just finds that one little thing and just like touches it and it just all falls apart and he's like it's like that um and again this is who i am i don't apologize for it uh but it's like i can't remember what it is but there's some superman story where lex tried to plan and he failed and at the end him and clark or him and superman are sitting playing chess and um uh he's all wrapped up in prison garb and he's got like the mm-hmm. thing around his ankle he's not going anywhere and lex is like you know i truly could have killed you if i actually wanted to and superman's like sure you could lex sure sure you could have done that if you wanted to sure buddy mm-hmm. why not you can have that like it's just like this total like no he couldn't have like no uh, right. obviously like superman is superman like you're not going to be able to take him down he's like so uh it's just like this whole like well i'm gonna get you next time christ like sure mm-hmm. why not you're gonna be serving mm-hmm. my will the entire time anyway he's just like this total he's wild he's wild man truly yeah truly father turbo did this whole thing and we'll wrap up with this yeah he did this homily a couple it was on my name's day actually it was for saint andrew and he talked about that saint andrew's always depicted with messy hair uh, yeah. in his icons that's the thing that's been my entire life by the way, hmm. another thing, my entire life, people have always talked about my hair. My hair is always like wild and unruly and it's like total jacked up right now. I threw sheer laziness. I have like dreads and like nasty, <laughs> gross, like, but it's untamed hair. I've always had untamed hair. Um, interestingly enough, except for right after I tripped mushroom. That's a, that's another thought. But anyway, um, I've always had wild untamed hair. And then father was talking about how like, um uh christians especially orthodox christians saint saint andrew came was the disciple of saint john the baptist saint john the baptist wild hair dreadlocks we should always be a little bit wild we should be like a little bit of like just like just kind of crazy just kind of like rambunctious and kind of wild and kind of like these men who are not afraid to like not, we're not clearing the path because the path has been cleared, but we're certainly not afraid to deal with some foliage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to just get in there with some machetes and hack and just be like these crazy, you know, like, you know, grasshopper eating, like, like bark licking, like type of dudes that are just not afraid to get in there and just like go crazy. And um, I don't know. I just think it's wild that, I mean, look at the Slavs. I mean, the Slavs like mm-hmm. Christ and with the slavs and that like was able to like pacify the slavs and this anyway it's yeah that's wild wild. he's wild he's just like obviously just the dude so agreed yes 100 so um i'll end with this question oh real quick i do have a question but real quick i do feel like i have to stress that we talked a lot about hallucinogenics tonight and it is something that has continued to probably come up as long as i'm talking about my spirituality it's going to come up mine too it is powerfully dangerous. It is Agreed. insanely dangerous. On this side of things, I would never recommend it to people. Uh, people have approached me before in the past about like, well, I'm Orthodox now. What do you think about? Should I keep doing it? I cannot tell you one way or the other. Um, other than I now know the things I know spiritually, I am the type of person that lacks the discernment that if an angel of light should appear before me, I am not convinced i would not fall down and worship it even if it was a demon like mm-hmm. i know i commune with small g gods uh when i uh tripped and um 
I will have to give word for that. Eventually, I will have to give word for that. Um, I'm not sure entirely the relationship of that. I have some ideas. I am the exception. Cyprian and I are the exception and the are exception, not the norm. For every one of us, there are 50 other dudes that are lost oh, yeah. on that land and are not coming back. Not coming no, back. I, I would I would definitely, yes, I think this is important. It is a part of my past and it's a part of my path to orthodoxy. And so I I talk about it because it it happened. But please don't anybody think one that I would do it now, which I definitely I have no there's no reason to for no. me. There's no reason to like I've found it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and two, not that I'm advocating that anyone else take that path because you don't need to No. And like I had said that, like, had I had I been introduced to orthodoxy earlier, that is the path I, I wouldn't have needed to take that path. So yeah. it's not they're not recreational. They're nope. not fun. Nope. Know that you are opening up, opening up a gateway to something that, you know, chances are, if you're even willing to open up that gateway, you're not prepared for what's on the other side. None of us are. 100%. So, yeah. Like in the, not, first, the yeah. first Avengers movie, Thor talked about the Earth possessing the Tesseract and how that calls to other, uh, mm -hmm. other civilizations, other peoples that they're ready for a type of warfare that you're not ready mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. uh, again god is good god knows the intentions of our hearts and sometimes he can use that of course without a doubt um but uh that you are calling upon a type of warfare you are not ready for and i was not ready for it and a lot of my orthodoxy this is one of the last things i'll say a lot of my faith has been having to undo some of the things that in my brief time like that a uh, one summer where I really did it probably maybe 10 times having to undo. And obviously like what I just said, I don't know if this is true, but like, obviously I pissed something off when I became mm -hmm. Orthodox because like I took it and I just thought that there were some bunk shrooms. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe it is. I don't know. But what Cyprian said kind of, kind of was like, well, maybe I pissed. There's, some, off. there's something there. I mean, it's, it's my own anecdotal experience, but it, it's also reflected in the story of St. Cyprian of Antioch. There is, there is a war. These two sides are not compatible with one another 100%. at all. 100%. At all. So pick a side. Pick a side. The path is narrow, y'all. It's very narrow. And I don't know. And the, the, when I experienced, I thought everything was wide. I thought that the, the path mm -hmm. was wide, that there was, I was good. I was okay. Things were okay. So God is good. He uses those experiences, but like at the same time, you know, God is powerless before you. He, he mm -hmm. is powerless before you, before your will. And if you want to continue on, and I know the people that are still wounded from this and still wounded, so do I. still being wounded, still refusing so to let go some of the things that they learned. So, um, okay. So we said this was going to be a shorter one, but Hey, we got two hours. It's good. I thought it was good. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Right, good. I loved hearing. I loved hearing your story. I feel. Uh, I feel close to you. So it's wonderful. Hey, this was a bonding uh, experience. I agree. A bonding <laughs> experience. You guys got to witness a bonding thing. Um. So. Uh, no, this was good. Um. So we're still working on the Q and A. Uh, uh. Well, maybe in the next couple of weeks, take a break from the Creed. Father should be God willing. Should be back next week. Uh, for a normal episode and everything. 
but you guys got the origin story. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think we could get father's story out of him. He's, he's no. probably too far down the path of being like, let's talk about the fathers. Let's talk about the yes. saints. We don't necessarily yes. need to talk yes. about father turbo. So I'm not far enough down that. Path. I could talk about me all day long. So um, landing page, royalpath.network. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, if you guys have questions, drop them in the YouTube comments. We're going to go, sure, uh, yeah. go through them and find the ones that we can. So thanks guys. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you. Bye.